Hello, friends. And hello once again, everybody. I'm LD Madera, and I'm very happy to have you back here on Improv and Magic. I hope that you are happy and well today, and I hope you're excited for another great episode. I'm very excited because my guest today is an amazing performer and a wonderful human being. She was so much fun to talk to, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you all. She's the bubble magician herself. She is Meadow Perry. Meadow Perry is a magician, bubble artist, and actress who creates breathtakingly beautiful magic out of thin air. Her internationally acclaimed show, Bubble Magic, combines skillful bubble artistry, magic, music, and theater to create a unique experience for her audience. She has appeared on the TV show Masters of Illusion and at the world-famous Magic Castle in the prestigious Palace of Mystery. She has performed for top companies like Amazon and Paramount and has been a featured performer for the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the Society of American Magicians, Washington Magic, the Boston Magic Lab, Philadelphia's Smoke and Mirrors Magic Theater, and the Philadelphia Zoo, among others. Meadow also has over 18 million views on TikTok with over 325,000 followers. I truly loved talking to this person so much. She had a lot of great things to share, like her love for bubbles, her love for magic, and her love for her family. And I hope all of you love this interview as well, my friends. So please enjoy my conversation with this amazing magician, Meadow Perry. joined by someone who's absolutely amazing and a wonderful bubbly personality. Yes, the pun was intended. Please welcome my guest today, Meadow Perry. Hello, Meadow. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. You're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, today is January 2nd, so let me say Happy New Year to you. Oh, yes. Happy New Year. How was your How was your New Year? How was your holiday overall? Oh gosh, my holiday has been very magical. Um, I've been working at the Philadelphia Zoo uh, with the production house Seven Textures. We we do the uh, the interactive performer part of the light show there. They have a light installation, um, but I had New Year's uh, off, so I went down to. Um, Bethany Beach, Ocean View, Delaware, um, to go to the Dickens Parlor Theater and see magician Nathan Coe Marsh. And uh, it was a fabulous show. And then rung in the new year with all the wonderful guests there to a live jazz band. It was very fabulous. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Do the holidays <laughs> yeah. usually get busy for you as a performer? Do you usually get like a lot of calls or gigs to do during the holidays? I do. I think this year it was a little slower. Um, and I think maybe it's in the past, I've done a lot of Hanukkah events. Um, and I think maybe this year because of the conflict, um, people aren't in such a celebratory mood. So, which is understandable. Um, but usually it is a pretty busy time and it was, it was pretty busy this year. I did, I did a few theaters and a couple of corporate things on top of doing the Philadelphia Zoo like four nights a week. So it was pretty busy. Well, what's cool about you is I follow you on Instagram and I see you doing a lot of different types of events. You do theaters, you do Renaissance fairs, you do all these special uh, corporate parties. What is that like to be able to just spread yourself to all these different types of events? Well, it's really great because, uh, you know, I have a variety of of entertainment that I can offer. So I can do a show show of like a formal stand-up show uh, for people that are sitting down and want to see a show. And, and I have varying lengths of that. Like I can do from 10 minutes up to an hour. Um, and then I can also just do sort of ambient style where I'm almost like a flow artist uh, with my bubbles and 
Um, I do a little bit of magic when I do that. Like I interact with guests. Um, so I'll do a little bit of magic, but it's mostly just bubble artistry uh, and showing people really cool stuff with bubbles, uh, putting people inside bubbles. They, that's a good party uh, trick <laughs> that people like. They like to take pictures. Um, so it's great that I can offer that. It's a lot like um, a magician who also juggles. Uh, I, I look at the bubble artistry aspect as, as kind of a type of manipulation in between magic and juggling. So, yeah. There's a photo on your website that I absolutely love that speaks to what you're speaking to, where you actually put Jeff McBride in a big bubble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he has this great look on his face like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was so funny and delightful. He was like, is it is the bubble going to get on me? Like he was wearing a really nice uh, shirt that he didn't want to get ruined. It was like silk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to hear all about your story, Meadow. So yeah. let's go to the beginning. Uh, where sure. did you grow up and what was growing up like for you? Uh, I grew up in Kinderville, Indiana and, uh, you know, out in the Midwest. So there's not a lot happening out there. <laughs> but uh, I grew up with a love of uh, musical theater and Broadway Um kind of sparked by my music class in elementary school. Um, I had a really wonderful music teacher, um, Anita English, um, and we're, we're adult friends now. Uh, so uh, she really sparked something. And then in going into high school, we had one of the best theater programs that anyone could ask for of, of a high school. I mean, they, they do shows right off of Broadway as soon as the rights are available they're doing them and, and they put on these amazing productions so it really sparked my love of theater and of course then I went to Ball State University as a musical theater major and uh, yeah I, I've had this love of theater uh, so that's what growing up in Indiana was like um, uh, and further in the story I guess uh, I came to Philadelphia and uh, met someone and got married and had kids, started a family, and of course, uh, kind of put musical theater on the back burner. Um, and uh, things didn't work out, we're divorced now, but um, it, I have two wonderful boys, they're eight and 10. And, um, you know, I, I started slowly jumping back into performing um, as a, a party princess. <laughs> and um, mostly because it's a lot easier to rehearse when you're a cast of one. So I was doing that and um, decided, you know what? Um, I can't be a princess forever. Someday I have to turn into the evil queen. <laughs> so um, I, I worked a, a party once and there was a magician there. And I was like, wow, I could, I could do that. And I was already doing little magic tricks as the Snow Queen. I was I was freezing bubbles um, and turning bubbles solid. So I was already doing that, but I didn't really consider it magic at the time. So I created this fairy character and uh, said, well, I'm going to start doing parties as a fairy because they're very magical. Um, you know, kids are scared of clowns sometimes. So fairies seemed like an easy jump from princess to fairy <laughs> for parties. And um, some someone along the way said, you know, you should, you should take your fairy character to the Renaissance Fair. So I did. And I started doing the giant bubbles at the Ren Fair. And it was the most photographed thing of, of that season. And they said, well, we have to have you back next year. And I said, okay, but I'm I'm going to create an act and I, I want to do a stage show. So um, I put this goal in place and uh, had a deadline that I had to meet and I learned magic and started doing this bubble magic show and uh, quickly discovered that uh, bubbles are really hard to do on demand outside uh, because of the wind. Um, so I had to have more magic kind of in my back pocket uh, to break out in case I needed to fill in if the bubbles were not working. So that kind of started this journey and it just keeps growing and building. And, and now I've created this indoor show that's for theaters and it's been a really amazing journey. 
I'm always happy to meet a fellow theater nerd because <laughs> I definitely was that uh, growing up as well. Was there any particular musical that was like your number one favorite that really drew you to the love of Broadway and theater and musicals? Yes. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, That's mine of- too. That's mine too. Yeah, yay. <laughs> a lot of uh, theater nerds uh, and, and music musical aficionados are like, oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, fans with the opera, ugh, like it's awful. Um, but it was my first love. It's my guilty pleasure. Um, it's, it's the thing that made me fall in love with musical theater. And, you know, it was the gateway to like Les Miserables and Miss Saigon and all these other wonderful shows that I, I love now. And it just, I love being able to listen to a cast recording and understand the story unfolding in the music. I, I could just do that all, all day. Yeah. I remember when I first got the cast recording of Phantom of the Opera, I literally spent an entire Saturday listening to it nonstop from like morning till wee hours of the night. That's how much I was into it. And I think Phantom is one of those shows where it's kind of like now it's considered like a cliche in a way Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, of course you would like Phantom if if you're in theater. Yes. (laughs) What are some of the types of shows and musicals that really resonate with you the most? Uh, I really like Wicked um, and Les Mis. Uh, those are two top ones for me. Um, I'm a soprano, so I tend to gravitate towards shows that have a really strong soprano presence. Hence Phantom of the Opera. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I like a lot of the things that Kristen Chenoweth has done. Some stuff that's lesser known, um, like when she was in Candide um, and... Uh, the uh, the apple tree. There's like these lesser known little gems that I absolutely love. Um, and I think that's the fun thing about being a musical theater nerd is like you have these, you can go so deep into the art. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to get lost in. Yeah, yeah, it and, is. And I'm more than happy to get lost in it all the time as much as I can. Uh-huh. And well, and it's fun because there's always new stories happening. Um you know, like right now I'm into the musical six um, and, and all the, uh, the wives of Henry VIII. And I, I love, I love it so much. It's so fun. Yeah. Recently, my latest obsession has become Dear Evan Hansen. Oh yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. Cause there's <laughs> so much of that that actually resonates with my own life. And it's just one of those musicals that, you know, it's very much like Rent. You could tell that mm-hmm. it's a show for young people. Yeah. That's a good show. So <laughs> when you were growing up, was theater the thing that you were certain you wanted to do? Or did you have any any other sort of aspirations for your life? Uh, yeah, theater was it. I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to be a, or a, be a touring performer. Um, basically, my, my dream, the goal was to uh, make a living being a performer. And um, it hasn't happened the way that I thought it would. Um, but I'm delighted by the way that it's happened uh, because one major caveat of being in musical theater and wanting to be on Broadway or do a tour is it, the the auditioning that you have to do is grueling. Yes. Like going to auditions all the time is the worst. <laughs> I hate it so much. And, you know, it's, it's much easier when you are the writer, director, and the performer <laughs> in yeah. your own show. Yeah, I've spoken with a couple of people who said they try to go to New York and live the dream. And the one thing that just tears them apart is that auditioning process. Because yeah. you're in a room and you're literally one of a million people trying to get the exact same thing that you want. And it right. can be soul crushing at times. And it's interesting what you mentioned. I think it's true for all performers and artists that how you expect it to turn out never really goes the way you expect it to. Would you say that that was definitely true with you? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I never thought that I would be performing magic or bubbles (laughs) like that. It just, 
my life has taken this weird turn and I often tell people you don't choose the bubble life. The bubble life chooses you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, the, the audition process is really interesting uh, because you can be the most talented person and it's really hard not to take it to heart when, when you don't get picked for a role, but you never know what other influences are there. There, you have to have the look that they're going for. You don't know if you walked in and that casting director was like, "Wow, she looks like my ex-wife." No way. Like <laughs> you don't know what external uh, forces are at play, so you just can't take it to heart. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it really is a lot like gambling in a way, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. There's so many factors involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where you just have to push through it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good lesson because whenever you see someone really, really make it and make it big, what you don't take into consideration is that for that one yes, there were 50 no's right behind it. Right. Yes, that's the thing. Absolutely. So I have to ask about the bubbles, of course. What was it that drew you to this wonderful art form of making bubbles? I think doing the New Jersey Renaissance Fair and doing the giant bubbles and just seeing people's reactions. People have this this preconceived notion of bubbles. They, they think of a little, the little plastic jar of bubbles with the little bubble wand and you blow the bubble. That's all they, they have seen of bubbles. So when you do a giant bubble or a smoke bubble or even when you blow bubbles with your hands, people are super surprised. And I think that's the thing that drew me to it was that uh, people were so thrilled by it. And I'm also thrilled by it. So for me to be like, hey, look at this really cool thing. Isn't this amazing? And for people to immediately give you that feedback of, wow, oh my gosh, um, there's something fulfilling about that. and that it's it's like a it's a shared moment of impermanence you know bubbles only last for a few moments and then it's gone but then you can make another one so it's kind of like liquid fireworks you know yeah so it's it's something that you get to enjoy in the moment what i find very very fascinating about what you do with the bubbles is that as you know in magic so much of the skill is hidden and it's designed in a way where the real skill work that's going on is not supposed to be seen at all. With you doing the bubbles, it's completely the opposite. It's right there out in the open and there's nowhere to hide. Does that kind of make you nervous at times knowing that your skill level is in full view of the audience? Um, no, I actually, I address that in my show. I, I tell people I used to feel weird calling myself a magician. Um, but because what you see me do, there's no trick involved. There's no deception. You see exactly what I'm doing. Uh, but as my friend and mentor, Tom Naughty always says, bubbles are no illusion. They're real magic. And there's something about that of, of bridging that gap. Uh, because I have, I have gone to spaces where people are like, well, you're not actually a magician. You're just a bubble manipulator. And I'm like, yeah, but don't, doesn't this bubble stuff make you feel magical? It makes you feel wonder. It's magic. (laughs) So it, but there, there are forces at play that you don't see, um, like my breath control. Um, and that probably is from all my experience with singing. Um, you know, I'm really in tune with what my diaphragm is doing and, uh, warming up my voice ahead of time. And then also my dance background, um, you know, stuff with bubbles goes wrong all the time, but you don't know it from the audience perspective because um, something goes wrong and I just do a flourish with my hands and it looks like I meant to do that. Um, but it's, you know, I'm I'm constantly calculating what the bubble is doing, what it's about to do, is something going to go wrong? What's the next move if it does go wrong? What's the next move if it goes right? So, um there, there are some forces at play that are magical that you don't see. <laughs> and I think that is what makes your bubble act even more magical because it is probably the closest thing to real magic that we can see. And also the fact that the bubbles are always unpredictable. So mm-hmm. as an audience member, 
you do have the sense of we really don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to quote you on something because, of course, when I saw this line, it really made me happy to hear you say this. The key to a good performance is planned improv. Yes. Could you talk about that quote and what you mean by that? So what I mean by planned improv is uh, you calculate the things that could go wrong in your show um, for every piece, for every piece of the show, if you, especially if you're having interaction with the audience, um, but also if you're having interactions with props that something could go wrong. Um, what I do is I, I write down a list of the things that could go wrong and how I might react. Um, and, you know, there are some times where there's things that I didn't account for that happen in a show. And then in, in, in the words of Penn and Teller, well, now we know that can happen. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's these things and, and you, you know, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure, um, especially when it comes to improv and audience members. You know, if if they say yes. I'm going to do this response. If they say no, I'm going to do this response. Uh, So you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. You have all these choices and and the audience, it feels very spontaneous to them uh, because they could have said yes or they could have said no, but you had something planned whichever way they chose. Um, So there's sort of, multiple layers of a show that are happening. There's different versions of the show and it really makes the audience become a character. They become a a character in your show that you are responding to. And I I love that so much. (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, audience members sometimes are unsuspecting that they are a character, but that is something that is very unique to variety arts and magic is that the audience becomes part of the show because we are, we're breaking that fourth wall and it's interactive. And I love that so much. Yeah. As an improviser myself, I know that feeling definitely because Mm -hmm. it's so thrilling to see an audience come in and they don't really know what it is that they've gotten themselves into. But like you said, they do become that other character. Do you find that Mm -hmm. that's what has drawn a lot of audiences to you? The fact that there is that level of unpredictability in your act? I think so. I think that's a piece of it. Um, It's also the bubble artistry is something that a lot of people haven't seen before and they get really surprised by it. But also, yeah, the the improv nature of the show is great. You know, I've, I, I think because of the bubbles being so, well, they're not so unpredictable. I have to backtrack because I sort of have an idea of what's happening with the bubbles. But because there's so many layers and ways it could go, it's made me more prepared for anything to happen on stage. And so it's made me really comfortable on stage for things to go wrong and in and, and just magic and, you know, scripting or whatever. Uh, staying in the moment is that's actually one of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten as a performer is stay in the moment, react to what is happening. Uh, You know, you, you don't have to stick to a script. If someone gets up to go to the bathroom, you know, you can say it gets better, (laughs) you know, like that's a stock (laughs) line, but you know what I mean? Like react to what's happening, Um, you know, and, that really makes the show unique and and uh, no as I tell audiences, no two shows are ever alike um, because there's always a little bit of unpredictability. Well, to that point, there are times where you do your bubble act as yourself, but there are other times where you do it as a character. Like in the Renaissance Fair, you perform as this fairy character. And on your YouTube channel, you have one where you look like you're like a singer from the twenties or something like that. And that's <laughs> another character. Do you enjoy mm-hmm. that other aspect of playing characters as you do your bubble act? Uh, I do. They're uh, it's, they're kind of personas of me. Um, the sorceress of soap bubbles. <laughs> I call her for the Renaissance <laughs> fair. Um, you know, she is me, but 
you know, as if I was a time traveler and I have the, all this Renaissance knowledge and it's a little cheeky because I, uh, I don't use an accent. I used to, I used to use an accent and I, I think I was hiding behind this like Mary Poppins voice and like, um, <laughs> instead of being genuine, um, you know, and I think now, uh, just using a regular my voice, um, I think makes things a lot more genuine with the audience. Um, but you know, you get to use these weird excuses of like, I'm a time traveler, so of course I speak the common language. You know, like so there's this <laughs> fantasy that you've built in with the audience, or like, let me get my boom boom stick and it's a lighter, um, or my or my pocket dragon. Like there's these little fantasy things that are built in that are a, a lot of fun. Um, and then my, my stage persona is probably my favorite because she's kind of the culmination of all my favorite Broadway leading ladies. Um, you know, there's, it was funny cause I just performed at the Dickens parlor theater a few weeks ago at the beginning of December. And there was these, these two gentlemen there and they came up to me afterwards. And the one guy said, you had such Kristen Chenoweth vibes. And I'm like, oh, gee, that's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, so I'm glad that that comes across. Um, dreams do come whole, true. Like, yeah, dreams <laughs> do come true. And the whole, uh, like, find your sparkle and just, uh, yeah, being as sparkly as you want. It, it's a little, yeah, it, it really is an amplification of me in, in on the stage and then an amplification of me at the Renaissance Fair. So, it's kind of like the setting dictates what's happening for my persona. One thing that I always love to ask people who are used to portraying characters is the dynamic of a character being you and not you at the same time. But at the end of the day, it's still you. When you perform yeah. in these different characters that you do at Renaissance fairs or other settings, how much of Meadow is there in those characters? There's a lot. So it's me just bumped up a little bit. Uh, so I would say I'm like an introverted extrovert um, in my regular life. And when it's performance time, I become full extrovert. Like, you know, when I when I put on that sequin gown, it's, you know, I'm... I'm here, the party started. Like, I get very, uh, very starlit, you know. Um, and as the sorceress of soap bubbles, um, it, there's almost this, like, I, I demand your deference, like, because I'm a sorceress and I, I could cast a spell on you at any moment. So <laughs> there's this, this fantasy that gets turned on when you put the costume on, but, um, it's, it's really just me bumped up. <laughs> <laughs> What's really amazing is that you've also been able to blend your work with the bubbles with some actual magic as well. And I remember one thing that I saw you do, and when I saw it, I'm like, that is so genius. You made a bubble appear and transitioned that bubble into a zombie ball, which mm -hmm. I thought was, wow, I would have never thought of that. How has it been to combine the bubble work with magic? Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, because... There's, there's something that I do with bubbles uh, where I'm constantly vigilant on, will this make bubbles? Will this combine with bubbles? Will this, it, how can I relate this to bubbles? Um, and, you know, I have some funny things in my show now. Um, like I do some stuff with cards and the excuse for it is that it's a soap opera. So like <laughs> some of the interpretations are loose. But um, I love the bubble zombie. Um, that's a Dirk Losander effect. And um, he's done some great stuff with bubbles. And it's fun because I understand bubbles and I know how hard some of those effects are that Losander does. And there's some effects that he does that no one else performs, even though he has DVDs and lectures on them. Because guess what? They're really hard. <laughs> um, even even me, someone who understands bubbles, they're they're hard, and they're things that I'm working on, of course. But um, it, it's so fun to see 
the different types of magic effects that combine bubbles. But it's it's a challenge because I work with bubbles with my hands and then to go to manipulating objects that are magic objects like billiard balls or whatever, um, it adds another layer of difficulty. <laughs> so, uh, so there's also a choreography of figuring out when your hands need to be completely bone dry and not slippery and you need a little bit of tack on your hands. Um, so that's been a really weird, fun journey, but like an extra challenge. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to have this kind of box to put my magic in of relating it to bubbles in some way because it makes you think outside the box. If you're in a box, you think outside the box. So you become a little more innovative in what you're you're doing because you have this boundary and this line instead of like, oh, I'm going to do a rope routine and then I'm going to do rings and then I'm going to do multiplying bottles. So it becomes a little more unique um, in that in that way. And um, I think that's something that draws people to my show. What is your process of creating a piece in your show? And where do the inspirations and influences come from to create a particular piece in your show? You know, inspirations come from everywhere. Uh, I take inspirations from burlesque, uh, from old Hollywood movies. Um, You know, I I really like to watch, um, you know, some old classics with Judy Garland and um, Mae West and like all these classic starlets. Um, And I take some inspiration from those, um, but also from fellow performers. Um, I've come across some performers who are very generous with with their ideas and, and they think of me in certain regards with bubbles and shiny things and, and champagne. And they'll say, you know what, this doesn't fit my character, but I think this would fit you really well. And I love when people do that because they may have a perspective on something that I don't have. And so when they they generously hand me these ideas, it's great. And I love to cultivate that. Um, I recently had a woman um, from New York reach out to me. Um, She is Jeff McBride's former assistant, but she's also a songwriter and has worked in the burlesque world in New York. And um, she has these wonderful songs that she's like, I feel like they fit your vibe so closely. And I listen to them and I'm like, did you just write Meadow Perry the musical? Because these (laughs) songs are so perfect. And the great thing is like, these songs aren't being used for anything else. And she's like super happy to share, Um, you know, and I'm, I'm helping her learn some bubble artistry. So it's become this sort of um, back and forth bartership. And um, these songs are really perfect. So there's like the serendipitous thing that's happened uh, that just from being inspired from another performer, uh, you know, so things come from all over the place. You never know where it's going to come from or who it's going to come from. You just have to be open to receive it. Do you enjoy being able to collaborate with other magicians? I do. Oh, being in creative space with other people, um, magicians mostly, but also other types of performers. Uh, sharing creative space is one of my favorite things. I have juggler friends and magician friends who we, we talk on the phone for hours <laughs> because we just enjoy talking about scripting and nuances with audiences and, well, what if you said it this way? Or And I love getting critiques from my friends. That's my, my favorite thing is uh, like, and I always tell them like, don't worry about offending me. You can make me cry and I'll be the happiest person. But I, I want your honest critique. I want your ideas. I want to know the nitty gritty. Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard from people who are on different sides of that. I've heard people from people like you who love to get notes and feedback. And I've heard other people who are like, no, no, I don't want to hear from anyone else. And it's funny how Magic is, it's a funny profession because it's one of the few where magicians who watch you are very up and ready to give you notes right, right afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you really embrace that and really enjoy that aspect of it. 
I do because you know one of the things about it also is that every everybody is what's the saying everyone is is superior to you in some way so everyone that you meet might have something that they're better at than you are and you can learn from them so i always take things with a little bit of of a grain of salt in that regard and you know I'll just listen to them and maybe it's going to be something that I'm just like, I will never do that. Like throw that out the window. But I listened to their idea and not only did I potentially get a new perspective on my show, but also I made that person feel important. And I think that's one of the best ways you can show kindness to a person and appreciation is just by listening to their ideas and, uh, you know, making them feel important. But what about negative feedback? Because I'm sure every now and then maybe you heard someone who may have said something like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Have you ever gotten that sort of feedback? And if you have, how do you deal with that? I have. Um, And I used to get really insecure and upset about negative feedback. Um, But I think that's the way that you grow and you learn. And there's something about getting negative feedback that makes me really double down on what I'm doing, not double down, like in a bad way, double down to like really dig in and sit and and look at what I'm doing with a real, um, discriminating eye and, and think, well, how can I make this better? This person really thought that. And I, you know, I also look at the perspective of like, is this a, a person who really knows what they're talking about? Is there other influences that made them say this negative thing? Um, Is it someone's opinion that I should care about? You know, if they're, if they're a Broadway director, yeah, I'm going to care about their opinion. Right. If they're Joe Schmo who doesn't perform at all, mm, I might not (laughs) go with their, their negative feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Well, you've had the wonderful opportunity to perform for many different types of audiences all over the country. How do audiences tend to react between your bubble art and your magic? Um, really positively. Uh, I, people get really surprised um, because it's something that they've never seen before. And uh, I think my my show in its entirety has these levels uh, because I go in and out between magic and bubble artistry. And I kind of weave it together in a story. And I think it keeps people engaged and interested. And, you know, I have some comedy in there too. So um, they're laughing, there's sincere moments. uh, And I think that's what draws them to it. And there's also this sort of production value uh, of this theatricality. You know, um, I've, I've got these glamorous gowns or these elaborate costumes Um, And and every piece in my show is really thought through from the props that I use on stage to the costuming, to the shoes, to the earrings, to the lipstick, like everything is thought through for practicality reasons and for aesthetics. So uh, if you notice some other bubble artists, they'll use props that look plastic and are brightly colored. Like it's an important thing to me that my my props are neutral for theaters, that they're all black, that they're uh, not too shiny. um, And and unless they're meant to be shiny, like I have rhinestones on some things, (laughs) but um, depending on the, the, depending on the show, you know, that's a skirt that goes on my table and some shows get shiny things and some shows don't. So um, everything kind of has, its place and its reason for being um, on the stage. What's really great about your act is that it's an act that's been known to be also enjoyed by families and family audiences. And I think nowadays a lot of magicians try to shy away from that because nowadays we see a lot more magicians that want to be edgy and hip and you know, some magicians want to be those dark characters and stuff like that. But it's cool that you've actually embraced that side of your act that's appealing to families. How do you feel about this show that you have that's enjoyed by adults and children? 
I love it so much. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite things when I get hired for a family show. And, um, you know, every magician gets this mild annoyance when you get to a show and you get all set up and you're ready to do a show. And they say, oh, yeah, we'll bring all the kids in. And they sit all the kids <laughs> in front. And you get this mild irritation and you have to explain to them, no, no, this show is for everybody. This, And they're like, yeah, the kids will enjoy the bubbles. You're like, no, 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 you're going to enjoy them, too. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they don't believe you. But then you start the show. And they're not really paying attention. There's a group of adults that are chatting and they're not paying attention. But the kids are like, whoa. And suddenly the adults are now paying attention. And I've pulled them in. And now everyone is in on it. And then the adults are going, whoa. <laughs> and that is one of my favorite things is when I've won over the adults. And they, they just they get so into it and and then they come up later and they're telling me that they have this like childlike wonder. It's not something they've never seen before. They didn't even know bubbles could do that. And um, that is one of my favorite things. I think sometimes even you say, I didn't know I could do that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, and you know, there's, it's, it's funny because I, I have these sort of levels to my different shows. Like, I have my stage show in the sequin gown, um, but I have different effects that I might throw in for a family show versus a cabaret show that's like meant for more adults. So like I'm moving more towards champagne themes for my cabaret show um, and, you know, kindness for the family show. So there, there's a little bit of difference, but the character and, and the main uh, meat of the show is the same. Aside from the obvious weather and temperature, what are some of the differences that you've noticed between performing your act on a stage and performing it outside at fairs and outside events? Lighting. <laughs> Lighting <laughs> is huge for bubbles. So not to be too much of a science nerd, but bubbles reflect light four times um, because they reflect on the outside and they reflect on the inside on obviously an arc if you're making a, a sphere bubble um, and then on the bubble wall it reflects in a certain way so dialing in the lighting is is my new passion um, I love when I get set up at a stage that has proper lighting um, you know and talking to the lighting technicians and, and putting like cross lighting and making sure there are different hues like the pinks versus the blues that is so much fun <laughs> um, and then you know, it even changes uh, with a, a drop light on some of the effects with the smoke, because um, that's a, that's another element that looks different under different lighting. So um, being on stage makes my bubble show way more di dynamic. And I think adding the lighting adds these different moods and, and evokes these emotions from the audience. And, adds a whole other level of theatricality to it. I love it. Well, we've all experienced those gigs where the setup that they have is, shall we say, less than ideal. You know, uh -huh. they have like, their lighting is maybe just like maybe two industrial flashlights or something like that. How do you deal with that? And how do you adjust to make sure that your act comes out as best as it possibly can, considering that this is not an ideal setup and it's not a great theater lighting technical setup? Well, the first thing is communicating with the client ahead of time. So I try to get as much information as possible about what their expectations are and what their setup looks like. Um, you know, if I, if I have to bring a lot more equipment, then obviously it's going to cost the client a little more, but if they have stuff that they can provide, um, that's better for me. I often tell people you're not paying for my show. You're paying for the setup because <laughs> setting up a bubble <laughs> show is not easy. Um, and so there's things that I do, uh, when I, I get to a show, um, you, when I, when I can drive to a show, cause I can keep extra stuff in my car. Um, so I have extra lighting and I have an extra sound equipment and things. So like I'm prepared for this weird backup situations. Uh, like I recently did a big gala, um, for a 30th birthday party. And I, we, we were about ready to do the show and, um, we had 
arranged ahead of time that I was supposed to have a, a headset mic and they didn't have it. And I went, oh, okay. Um, I want to run to my car and grab mine. <laughs> and I have my <laughs> receiver and we'll plug in. It's okay. We got it. Because as you know, I can't uh, have a handheld and do magic at the same time because I need my hands. So, um, you know, just being prepared for those instances, I always bring these chargeable LED lights that are, they, they almost look like lightsabers <laughs> with tripods <laughs> on them. Um, but I, I'll bring those and it'll give just a little extra reflection off of the bubbles and um, make them a little more visible. Um, the other big thing with a bubble magic show and setups is having a dark background. So I have had shows before where there's windows behind me and, or if there's mirrors behind me, which we know for magicians, mirrors behind you is not good, but um, having windows or like white walls behind me, you can't see the bubbles because bubbles are clear and the light reflecting off of them because most light is white doesn't really work. So if you have a dark background, um, you can see the bubbles better because they also get a, a sort of halo from the lighting on them. Um, so I always have a backdrop and pipe and drape in my car as well. So I'm always prepared no matter what. So you always have a in case of emergency breakout yes. type of situation. Yeah. Now it's, I'm doing more shows where I travel and like have to take a, a plane. Um, so in those instances, having like really explicit communication with the client and making sure exactly what's going to be there um, when I get there is super important. Well, I'm also curious about the shows that you've done where you're not on a stage, but you're at a party doing more like walk around performances where you're just kind of set up next to some champagne glasses and you're just standing there and you're doing your thing while people are just kind of walking back and forth. What's that? experience like because that's obviously a very different performance aspect so that is one of my newer uh types of performance styles and i absolutely love it it's it's really akin to doing walk around magic but i have a little table that has wheels and i i roll it to where guests are and i show them a little bit of magic and uh bubble artistry and magic and um, that has been really, really cool to be able to sort of do these little intimate sets. Um, and, and doing this sort of strolling magic style is new to me. And I'm loving exploring it and, and getting used to like the dynamics of, of approaching a table, um, which I've done before. Um, before I did magic, I also used to do murder mystery. And there's a whole, there's a whole, um, thing about approaching a table. And uh, so I have some experience with that. And so it's funny that people are like, well, you've never done this before. I'm like, well, I kind of have, I, you know, I'm not an overnight success. I have all this theater experience and um, like princess party set me up for doing home parties and murder mystery set me up for doing strolling magic. Um, and theater, of course, set me up for doing stage. So I have all this this experience behind me that's non-magic but yeah doing this like strolling style has been a lot of fun um it's a little nerve-wracking though because uh if you spill something um you know i have I, that's why i have the table because i have extra towels underneath just in case you know you mm -hmm. never know like a waiter or somebody who comes by and bumps your table and yeah that's usually the case it's usually someone bumps it or <laughs> yeah but um it, that's been a really cool, surprising thing to bring to parties. Have you found it more difficult to do the strolling type of performance? Um, no, because I basically, the most of the, the strolling ones that I've done so far, they I usually do like two different sets. So at the beginning, I'll be doing something interesting as guests arrive, just kind of when they're at the entrance. Um, usually like the bubble wall or I'm, I'm doing some other bubble stuff um, and maybe outside I'm doing the giant bubbles um, and then I transition to doing this strolling and they go oh yeah you're the bubble girl 
And so I, I already have this reputation before I come to their table and they already know what I'm about. They know I'm about bubbles. So, um, it's a, and they get really interested and they're like, how did you get started doing this? And it starts the whole conversation and, um, being about people. That's, that's what, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. <laughs> you know, usually it takes someone doing something very unique for everyone to become very excited and want to do it too. Mm -hmm. Much in the same way, like Jeff Dunham made ventriloquism uh, cool again. You have certainly made bubble art really, really cool and popular. Do you find that a lot of people now kind of want to follow in your footsteps and play with bubbles as well? There is. Um, there's there's been a lot of people picking up bubble artistry, um, and I'm I'm thrilled that people are picking it up. I think it's the hottest thing since you know like face painting and balloons. Um, I think bubble artistry is super hot right now, and you know I've I've had people ask me you know you how do you feel like you're inspiring your competition and you know I also teach bubble artistry, I teach at Bubble U, and they're like, how do you feel you're teaching your competition? And I, it, it's a lot like, like juggling and magic, you know, there's magic effects that are marketed and people can do them, you know, um, there's a lot of different magicians who do the same rope routine or the same ambitious card routine, but they put their own flair on it. And you can't steal someone's personality and how they present themselves on stage. So, you know, no one can take the unique thing about me is my, my persona, my personality. Um, and, you know, if someone did bubble tricks and they like stole some of my script, that would, that would be a problem. But, you know, nothing of what I'm doing is mine. I mean, there's a couple of things that are mine. I shouldn't say that. But, um, you know, like there's so much that Tom Noddy um, has shared. Um, he's like the godfather of bubbles and with the carousel, the cube bubble, the tornado bubble, um, and like the bubble wall, that's Pet Boo from Barcelona. So, you know, we all stand on the shoulder of giants. Um, I just put it in a sparkly dress, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, the, I think that's the interesting thing about, uh, like my masters of illusion, performance because when people think of bubble artistry they think it's for kids um and here i've thrown some sparkle on it and and mm -hmm. thrown it on a stage and uh, people are really receptive to that well i was going to ask you about that your experience on being on masters of illusion that mm -hmm. is a great honor to have and now mm -hmm. that is recorded for all time and you've definitely cemented your legacy there what was that experience like of getting on Masters of Illusion and performing your wonderful bubble act? That was a really wild journey. Uh, so a lot of people uh, had issues from the pandemic. Um, you know, they stopped performing or uh, they lost a lot of work. But for me, the pandemic really helped me because we used virtual shows as this new platform and uh, networking and making connections with people is one thing that I think I'm really good at. I'm a really social butterfly. Um, you know, I have, there's these techniques that I've learned in the theater world, um, and I use them virtually. And I started making these connections in the magic world and uh, did this virtual show. You know, I got these really fabulous equipment, um, sound and video, and really just dived all in and dove all in rather. And, um, I started doing, uh, virtual shows and caught the eye of, um, Sean Farquhar and caught the eye of, um, Anthony Darkstone. And so I did virtual shows for both of them, um, for the IBM convention and also for Anthony Darkstone's, um, like magic in the stars gala. And, in that show, Gay Blackstone was there, and uh, that was that was how it happened. Um, Sean Farquhar had me for IBM. That's where Anthony saw me, so he had me for his show. And then Gay Blackstone was there, and you know we had a new surgence of COVID, and uh, she called me up and said we we can't get our international acts uh, because of COVID. Uh, can you fly out next week? And I was like. 
I'm there. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what I did. I went out and I, I did that, and it was a really surreal experience because I had never been to LA, and uh, it was uh, my first time, you know, doing a big filming project, and it, it was it was a lot of fun to for the first time have to take my props on a plane and like just that whole experience and, and getting transported from the airport to the location. Um, and, and all the hurry up and wait, there was a lot of hurry up and wait and, and talking to different producers and, um, being in the waiting room. And I, I met Trig Watson and, um, some other fabulous magicians and it was just a really good experience and everyone was super positive. Everyone was really supportive, whatever you need. Um, some of the people backstage there and behind the scenes, you know, they're like, you need helium, we'll get it for you. You need this prop rope, we'll fix it for you. We'll glue it. But, like they were so supportive. Um, and, and that really gave me more confidence on stage. And then uh, it's funny because the, the filming of it, when you watch it, there's obvious edit cuts, but I, I only did one shot for my whole bubble routine. There was no second chance. It was, that was all one run. Um, and then they just, they edited out kind of the dead space. Um, but that was only like a couple things went slightly wrong, but nothing really went that wrong. Um, so, it, and, and they shot it so beautifully. Um, it looked gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I was really thrilled when it came out. It, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. And if something did go wrong, I honestly couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. I mean, everything went perfectly. Exactly. Perfect. Of course. <laughs> went off without a hitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you feel the audience took to it? Because now you're performing in front of an audience that is expecting to see people getting sawed in half and card tricks and women <laughs> floating in the air and that type of thing. How did that audience respond to your show? They were really thrilled. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's weird for a film audience cause you, you know, they're there to react, <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, there was some genuine gasps and oohs and ahs and the audience. And I, that was really fun. Um, there was one familiar face in the audience that kept, weirdly put me at ease. It was, uh, Scott. Um, I can't think of his last name right now. Who he has this, the good word podcast, um, or the magic word podcast. Um, but he was in the audience and, uh, that was so fun to see like a familiar face. One thing that I always love seeing about a show is not just what the performer wants the audience to see, but how the performer wants the audience to feel. And emotion is something that I'm very big on, both when I'm performing magic and when I'm performing improv. And everyone is different. Everyone kind of has their own approach to this. For you, Meadow, what emotions do you want the audience to have as they watch you? other than the obvious, being wowed and amazed? I want them to feel like anything is possible. I want them to feel like no matter what, their dreams are achievable. Yeah, I think that's that's the take home. Um, there's, I have some new scripting things that are in the works um, and some new effects. Um, I recently found out that the anagram for my name, Meadow Perry, is Dreamy Power. Um, oh, so wow. yeah, I know. And that was already sort of the message of my show is, as find your sparkle, go forth and chase your dreams relentlessly. Um, because I, I talk about in my show how I wanted to be on Broadway and, but I've always loved being a performer and it's a weird journey that now I'm a grown woman blowing bubbles. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I talk about that and, and basically, um, how your dreams might not work out the way you wanted them to, but the way that they needed to. And you can find your sparkle in something else and your, your dreams can change over time and that's okay. And I, I want, I want my audiences to feel inspired. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, you know, 
you are able to live the dream of being a performer and performing your show all over the country. But in addition, first and foremost, you're also a mom. And so I'm curious, how do you manage to balance that out with your performance life and being a great mom? Uh, Well, I am not with their dad, but he is supportive and he helps out when I have to be on the road. Um, And then basically when I'm home, I have them all the time. Um, So I'm not on the road often. I, you know, I, I think I balance it really well where I'll go through spurts, um, like in January, the last half of January, I'm gone for like two weeks, but you know, uh, then I'll be home for an entire month. So, you know, I, I go back and forth between doing like local shows and, um, private events and then, you know, flying out to do like the magic castle or whatever. So I, I try to keep things balanced as much as possible. Um, but you know, my boys are eight and 10 now. Um, they're also like little performers. They both love magic. They they um, are so into it. And in the summertime, they travel around with me. Um, so like we went to Abbott's Magic Get Together, the magic convention this past summer. And um, they were little hands. Uh, Matt King, <laughs> Matt King had my 10 year old up on stage with them and um you know, they, they wear sparkle jackets and I tell people the sparkle doesn't fall very far from the tree. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and they're, they're both fearless, man. They are, I, I, every day I look at them and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. How did I get so lucky? Um, but yeah, it's, it is a, a bit of a balancing act and a challenge, but I think that's probably the reason why I'm so driven is that. I have to provide for them. And, you know, I, I took a really hard look probably like six years ago, um, like how I was working as a daycare teacher and, and, you know, trying to make it as a single mom and what, what can I do to make more money? Where are my skills at? And I was like, well, I can jump back into performance. Those are really where my, where my skills are. And, you know, I had a lot of people doubt me and, so those two things kind of put the fire um, of trying to be able to provide for my kiddos and, and people telling me I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, it's a lot of like, watch me, I'm going to do this and do it for my boys. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been difficult, but I do have uh, also some, some performer friends who are really supportive and, and you know, if, if I need it to call anyone to help out. Like I need help. If you could just watch the boys for a little bit, you know, they're happy to help out. So I'm, I'm really blessed with a great tribe. Well, you know, you mentioned the word fearless a minute ago, and I (laughs) think that's one word. That's a great word to describe you. The other great word for you, I think would be sparkly. I think we can agree (laughs) on that, but I think you are definitely fearless because you've been able to take this craft and really make it into something beautiful that people can enjoy. How vital do you think it is to be fearless in show business? It's really vital. Um, You will not get any of the chances you don't take. You know, it it is really nerve wracking to approach Jack Goldfinger and say, I'd like to work the castle, Um, (laughs) you know, but if you don't ask, it's not going to happen. If you never ask, if you never put that out in the universe, it's never going to happen. Um, so I really believe in that and, and just putting yourself out there and going for what you want, finding um, who are the people that are responsible for the things that I want to happen and how do I reach more people like them and just networking and going for that, um, making connections with people, but like genuine connections. And I think that's the thing. There's a lot of people who have a lot of social anxiety. And, uh, you know, I, I really reference the, the book, How to Influence People and Make Friends. Um, there's some really great stuff in there. If, if you haven't read that book or listened to the, the audio book, you should. It, you know, there's techniques in there that you can use to make these really solid connections with people. And I think that's the thing that makes me so fearless is that I'm, I'm not afraid to reach out 
to people and make connections. Um, you know, that's, I think that's at the heart of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something that I'm known to say a lot is that it's always better to do it than not do it and later wonder what if. That I think has been something that's really been driving me uh, lately. And that definitely sounds like that's been a big driver for you as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, have to take the chances. <laughs> sure. Well, Meadow, I had an absolutely great time and I have one more question for you, my friend. Yes. What's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you'd want everyone else to hear? Hmm. Uh, do what you love. For me, um, you know, I do love being on stage and making people happy. And I thought that singing was going to be the thing that did that. And it's not, it's magic and bubbles, but I'm up there and I'm making people happy and I'm doing what I love. Wonderful. Meadow, I had a great time and I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Have a very happy new year and I wish you so much love and luck for everything in your future, my friend. So much same to you. Thank you so much for having me. Do what you love. That's something that's been said a couple of times on this podcast, but I'm glad that that message keeps coming up. If it makes people happy, do it. If it brings joy to people, do it. And if you feel fulfilled, then definitely do it. My thanks to Meadow Perry for joining me today, and keep up the great work, my friend. Your show is so wonderful and beautiful, and I hope everyone gets to experience it. You can find more information on Meadow Perry by visiting her website, meadowperry.com. You'll find details about her show, as well as how you can learn how to create great bubbles yourself through a course she teaches called Bubble You. I encourage you all to visit her site and learn more about this wonderful person. And don't forget, my friends, you all are just as wonderful yourselves. Keep believing in yourself and keep doing what you love. Thanks for being here, everyone. And I'll see you next time here on Improv and Magic. Oh, 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 oh